0: It's Shortcuts with Knight's resident film critic, Dan Slevin. Dan's on the line now. Kia ora. Happy Friday. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you, Emil. How are you?
0: I am excellent, and I was all the better yesterday for reading an excellent piece on the RNZ website by Dan Slevin all about the Guy Ritchie film Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Before we get to your movies, let's talk a little bit about this. Because uh, yeah, it was sure. it was a really interesting piece. What were you um, for people who haven't read it? You were sort of trying to measure that film's legacy. Came out in ninety seven, there or thereabouts, was it? Ninety
1: eight. Uh, ninety eight came out. So late last year, a twenty fifth anniversary um, Blu Ray copy uh, of the film was released that had two discs in it. One was the original theatrical cut, and one was the direct the extended director's cut. And uh, I went back to it and had a look, and and I realised that actually there it's there's quite a, I guess a cultural fuckupper there in terms of uh, the people who were involved in that film, what they've gone on to do. And I thought, well, let's do a little bit of a survey and and see whether the film, because it was a it was a massive film at the time. It really was incredibly influential and popular, uh, and I wanted to see whether its impact on the world of cinema and the world of culture had ultimately considering everything that all those people involved in it have done since whether it's been a kind of net positive or negative for um, for culture as a whole. So, uh, you know, we talked about Guy Ritchie, uh, the director who is still got a phenomenal career. He now gets his name in the titles of his films. Mm -hmm. His uh, most recent film was called Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. That's, no ego there at all, obviously, um, and you know some of his films are, are are really kind of lame, limp retreads of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Mm-hmm. But he also made two really good Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes films. Um, so you know we, I, my my assessment of Richie is that it's fundamentally sort of on the negative side. I I, I like fewer of his films than I I do like. Um, and then there's Matthew Vaughan who produced the film, co-produced the film actually because uh, the other c- producer on it was Trudy Styler who is Sting's wife. Mm-hmm. And of course Sting uh, is in the film, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So Matthew Vaughan's gone on to uh, continue to produce films but he's now a director and of course uh, he's got a film that's in cinemas at the moment. Uh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't put this in the, in the article because it felt a little bit too judgmental mm-hmm. Early on, but it really is stinking up the house, isn't it, Argyle? <laughs> um, and it's it's cost Apple $200 million, and I do not imagine that they're going to get that money back yeah. uh, for it. And so um, essentially Matthew Vaughan is a big no from my point of view. Uh, and then somebody you may not realize has turned into quite a prominent director, and that's Dexter Fletcher, who was one of the the gang of four lads in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. And he's now a, a prominent director. He made Sunshine on Leith, which is a wonderful musical about the Proclaimers. Uh, and he also made Bohemian Rhapsody and the Elton John Film Rocket Man. So uh, I think he's a net positive for for things. And then we've got Jason Statham, of course, who is probably the most remarkable career out of all of them. He'd never made a film, never acted uh, on screen. I think he'd been a, a model for a while. Lockstock was his first acting role. And he's managed to turn that into being one of the biggest action stars that the world has ever seen. He's got a film in cinemas at the moment called The Beekeeper, and uh, I hope that's going to turn into another successful franchise for him. He, I mean, he's, he's kind of got limited range, but uh, he's always very good within that range. Do you know what I mean? Great presence. And, and a really, he has that... Um, this is going to sound a
0: little bit weird, but I think you know what I mean. He, he has a way of moving, um, a very sort of balletic and graceful way of, of moving... Which sort of is in contrast to his quite gruff, um, you know, um, British everyman stubble, shortcut cut hair, the quite persona, muscular kind yeah. of thing. You know what I mean? I, I really like Jason Say. I think he's a great actor.
1: Oh, he he uh, was a, a very talented sportsman as a young man. He played football at quite a high level, and he uh, took up diving in uh, when he was fifteen That's years right. old. He saw people doing it while he was on holiday, and. Uh, just, you know, it's a very, li- very late age to to take up a competitive um, sport like that. But he came to the Auckland Commonwealth Games and represented England as uh, a diver. And you can find uh, his, his, his efforts at the Auckland Commonwealth Games on YouTube. He is not particularly successful, and the commentators were a bit rough on him, to be perfectly honest. But that's still not a bad effort yeah. to become a Commonwealth games athlete and then um, a few years later about eight years later become one of the biggest action stars in the world totally totally now it's a good piece
0: and i um i would urge people to go read that i'm not a huge fan of guy Ritchie either i think he's um uh worse british quentin tarantino and even that's flattering him but let's not get (laughs) tied down in that um let's talk about the films that you are going to chat about today and first up uh sun coast tell us about this
1: yeah, I just want to jump in here with with an apology first before I get to Suncoast. And I just want to apologize to people who were listening last week. I will have misled you. I did say that I thought that uh, the June sequel, June 2, was going to be uh, opening this weekend. And I was wrong. It is it is actually later on in uh, February that it's going to be opening. The world premiere was just the other day. Uh, so if you were queuing up outside your local multiplex yesterday morning for June to on my advice, I do apologise, um, but if you do need to get a bit of Dune in your life before the sequel turns up, I uh, remember last week we were talking about Broly, the free streaming service yes. uh, that's coming out of Australia. They have the 1994 series of Dune, which mm-hmm. starred William Hurt, and uh, that's a three episode miniseries. You can probably knock that off in the week while you're waiting for um for the for the big movie to come out. Fantastic stuff. All
0: right. Um right. Uh, I had to get it off. No, chase. that's Sorry. that's good. I, I, I appreciate that, Mia Culpa. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh Sun Coast though, this is on Disney Plus, is yeah. that right?
1: That's right. Well, this is a very new film. It actually played in competition at the Sundance Film Festival only sort of Three weeks ago, uh, and has been snapped up by Hulu in the states, which is uh, Disney's kind of adult, sort of grown-up channel. Uh, but we don't have Hulu here, so it's landed on Disney Plus straight away. It is a a coming-of-age story. It's a semi-autobiographical story written by and directed by a woman called Laura Chin. And it's set in the very early years of this century, sort of 2000, 2001, somewhere around that period. And a little bit of background to the film is kind of of important because at at that time in the year 2000, there was a big sort of tussle between kind of right to life people in America who uh, were trying to, to preserve the life of a woman called Terry Schiavo, who was in a vegetative state, and her husband um, knew that she didn't want to live that way and wanted to remove the feeding tube so that she could die peacefully. And uh, people, including her parents, uh, took this case all the way to the Supreme Court to try and keep her alive, even though um, there was essentially no brain activity. So that's the background to to this story. And the, uh, the central character in the film, uh, a young teenager called uh, Doris, her older brother is also in a vegetative state. He's had brain cancer and they, her and her mother are taking him to the local hospice, which is called Suncoast. It's set in Florida. And, it just so happens that it's the same hospice that Terry Schiavo is being cared for in, and they have to every day go past uh, lots of screaming and praying protesters uh, who, at one point during the film, they're not allowed in at all because there's been a a bomb threat to the hospice from, from these protesters. It really was one of the very early examples of the kind of culture war that we are experiencing now in so many areas. And uh, it, it, it kind of split America down the middle, that that case. Um, and Laura Chen, this actually happened to her. Her brother um, got very sick and and passed away in hospice at the same time as this, at the, at the same hospice that Terry Schiavo was in. And this is a film that is really quite meaningful to me. It's about the fact that when you're 15 years old and you've never experienced death before you you have no idea what to expect or how seriously to take it if Mm. you know what i mean and she this character doris is feeling really left out like all the attention is going to this brother who is in a hospital bed and literally can't respond to anybody and she's kind of being ignored she makes friends with one of the protesters outside played by woody harrelson we'll hear a little bit of the uh of the trailer f- uh, of the film that might give you a bit m- better of an idea what it's about than i've just told you
0: you want to be a normal teenager? i got news for you you're not normal doris
1: who's doris uh, i am do you think this is the right place for him you'd say that about any place my brother's dying he hasn't talked in years.
0: I'm so sorry. My wife passed away.
1: My dad died when I was three.
0: Christ, it ain't a competition.
1: <laughs> I think I should start sleeping at Sunco
0: so your brother doesn't get too lonely. He's my child. When he's in pain, I'm in pain. I'm your child too. Oh, what about God's me? sake, give me a break.
1: Everyone says this neighborhood is scary, but like when you're in it, it's like not that scary. Thank you. It's really
0: hard taking care of sick people. Sometimes they need a break. <gasps> oh, nice. No, no, that's, yeah, I can, I mean, there's you only so much that flavor, you can get really? from a, yeah, there's only so much that you can get from the audio of a trailer, but um, no, I, I, I get that. Woody Harrelson as well, so recognizable. he's really recognizable voice. I got that
1: straight away, which is strange because yeah, yeah, I never thought of him in that exactly. way before. Um, pretty much, this is a film that's actually you, you need to persevere with because pretty much everybody in it is kind of awful, um, or they're not listening to each other. You know that frustration you get when characters are just sort of talking at each other without ever being properly communicative, and you think, why, why am I still listening to these people? But it's worth hanging around, and 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 the payoff, the emotional payoff at the end, is really, really worthwhile. And the other thing that I Think the film, even though the hospice characters are just background or supporting characters, they're not main parts of the story. The film makes really clear that hospice people are basically the very best of us, Mm. and that's just something that you know. I think we should just take the opportunity to applaud applaud them and the work that they do because um, they are incredible people, and we certainly get that sense in in this film. It's it is it's it's worth. Seeing it through to the end because the payoff is there. That was
0: uh, Sun Coast, which is on Disney Plus, streaming on Disney Plus. You also want to talk about, oh, we're going old school, a Blu ray box set, actual physical media films, and uh, yeah, Monty Python's Flying Circus, fully restored in high definition, Dan.
1: I know. I Look, I, I am going to come back to physical media periodically on this uh, in this segment because I still believe that. You know, titles come and go from streaming services. Uh, you you might make a plan to watch something, and then find that that something you want to watch has just disappeared. It even happens if you tr- if you think you're buying stuff digitally these days. You can go back mm. to your Kindle and find that somebody's taken your books away. And so the only way to absolutely guarantee that the stuff you love is always going to be permanently available to you is to to buy it on physical media. And I was really pleased that uh, at Christmas time that this box set. Uh, was released, and it is a thing of uh, beauty. There were four series of Monty Python's Flying Circus from 1969 to 1974, and they have all been remastered. All the film components, because it was a combination of studio, uh, TV studio, live studio audience sketches uh, with pre-recorded, pre-filmed, uh, material and then of course Terry Gilliam's animated uh inter inter what would you call them uh interruptions yeah. to programming. All of the original film material has been re-scanned and so that looks absolutely perfect. The even the the original BBC video content has been remastered and that looks really good on a big screen. And this is some of the, I went back to it because I wanted to know if it had aged, you know, like a, a whether and and probably I would say sort of eight out of ten of the sketches, the material still holds up today. That you don't, you're not going, oh, that's a little bit off. Um, I want to play you one of the. Sketches or a part of one of the sketches from the very first episode of Monty Python's Flying Circus, 1969. This is a sketch about Pablo Picasso, the famous modern artist, uh, making a new work of art while uh, cycling around southern England.
0: Oh, well, Picasso will be riding his Viking super road star with the drop handlebars and the dual-thread wheel rims, and with his Wiley-Pratt 20-to-1 synchromesh, he should experience difficulties on these sort of road surfaces they just don't get abroad. Mitzi.
1: And now for the latest report on Picasso's progress, over to Reg Moss on the Guildford Bypass.
0: Well, there's no sign of Picasso at the moment, David, but he should be through here at any moment. However, I do have with me Mr. Ron Geppo, British Cycling Spring Champion and this year's winner of the Derby Doncaster Rally. Uh, well, Reg, I think Pablo should be all right, provided he doesn't attempt anything on the monumental scale of some of his earlier paintings, like uh, Guernica or Mademoiselle Davion, or even his later War and Peace murals for the Temple of Peace Chapel at Valerie. Because with this strong headwind, I don't think even Doug Timpson of Manchester areas could paint anything on that kind of scale. Well, thank you, Ron. Well, there still seems to be no sign of Picasso, so I'll hand you
1: back to the studio. Well, we've just heard that Picasso is approaching the Torworth Roundabout on the A3, so come in, Sam Trench at Torworth.
0: Well, something certainly is happening here at Torworth
1: Roundabout, David. I can now see Picasso. He's cycling down very hard towards the roundabout. He's about 75, 50 yards away, and I can now see his painting. It's an abstract! I can see some blue, some purple, (laughs) uh, some little black oval shapes. I think I can see... That's not Picasso, that's Kandinsky! It's
0: it's it's very um it's very very highbrow, isn't it? Like particularly oh, yeah. something that's so that,
1: that that was. I mean, was it mainstream at the time? Yes, it was. I think that they they kind of assumed that uh, the British public would not only know who Pablo Picasso was, but they would also know who Kandinsky. Yeah. Uh, was uh, and i mean they were they, they were all sort of uh oxford and cambridge educated mm-hmm. these uh these chaps and i mean partly it's the combination isn't it of the highbrow and the lowbrow clashing right. yeah. yeah that makes it so funny
0: yeah go. No, yeah. right. so
1: what we've got there's also some extended some of the sketches were cut for time and uh they've been restored to their full length and uh and there some sketches even went missing you know the bbc had a habit of uh if they if if something wasn't actually needed for broadcast they would reuse the videotape but some of those have been found as well and so there's a lot of extra material 22 hours and 13 minutes on seven discs and the recommended retail price is $129 as
0: um flying circus that's um the the argument the argument center is, is Flying Circus, isn't it?
1: Um, this this isn't uh, an argument. I bought an argument. No, yes. you didn't. Yes, I did. That's right. right. Yes, yeah. oh, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There, there were so many. They basically rewrote all of the, the rules. And um, a lot of this material was on YouTube. The Monty Python official YouTube channel mm. actually put almost everything up initially thinking that they would be able to make a few quid from the ads the pre-roll ads and i went to check to see what they still had up and it's all disappeared so now the only way you can get these is on these discs um the movies that they made in the 70s and 80s are, i think on netflix i should have double checked that before i came on but i but they're a little bit easier to find but these uh TV versions the the you know the original and best you might say um what what isn't on here which I was a bit disappointed is uh they made two episodes of the series in German uh called Monty Python's Fliegende Zirkus. uh and it was one day we'll talk about um pop stars and TV people making translating their work into German so that they could um uh, be popular overseas um, those episodes are not on these discs which is a bit of a shame so you have to track those down some other track way track those down somehow yeah, indeed
0: um personally got to say i agree with you about physical media there is something nice and tactile about having a disc or a tape isn't there um however let's go from that to more streaming and not only streaming but free streaming um and your free film suggestions plural today
1: Yeah, too. This is a this. uh, I'm not sure if you do them as a double feature in one night. That might be a bit much, but maybe over uh, a weekend you would do this. Um, And the reason why I wanted to choose these two is uh, because in cinemas this week there's a new. I was about to say a superhero film, but it's probably more of a comic book film than a superhero one because there's not so much of the sort of lycra costumes and flying around. It's um, it's a little bit more down to earth than that. It's a film called Madame Webb, and it stars Dakota Johnson as a woman who discovers uh, that she can see into the future. And uh, this may be connected to the uh, a very rare spider that uh, her mother found in Peru. And this is uh, in the kind of Spider-Man universe, if you know what I mean, and uh, which is distinct, sort of, distinct from the big Marvel Cinematic Universe, which um, we've been uh, had so much of those films inflicted on us in recent times. Sony own the Spider-Man character, and they leased him back. To Marvel Studios for all those sort of Avengers films, the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, but they've they've made sure to keep hold uh, of that character, and they also have the rights to a lot of the smaller characters that were in those Spider-Man comic books. And Madame Web is one of those, so uh, there are links in this film to uh, Spider-Man, the character, to. Uh, his um relatives and you get the sense that if this all sort of carried on there would be a kind of little mini spider-man universe going on and the re- and the two that i wanted to pick today that are streaming for free on tvnz plus are using the character called venom which is also in the spider man uh universe and it's also owned by sony And the first film came out in 2018, just called Venom, uh, and it stars Tom Hardy as a guy called Eddie Brock, who's an investigative journalist who becomes kind of infested by a a parasitic alien life form called a symbiote who sort of takes over his body and his brain, and they they become sort of like two characters fighting over the same body, if you like, Uh, and Venom is... uh, Uh, part of a species that wants to basically eat all of humanity and it's Eddie Brock's job to try and prevent him from doing that we'll play a little clip from it this is Eddie uh, meeting discovering that Venom is inside him and meeting him for the first time what the hell are you? I am Venom and you are mine you bit somebody's head off fuel in the tank listen carefully Everything about you, I am inside your head. You are a
0: loser, Eddie. (sighs) Are you going to eat anybody else?
1: Most likely. Oh, God. That is why we are here. Cooperate and you might just survive. That is
0: the deal. So... I've seen Venom, Dan, and I know it wasn't reviewed that well, but I really enjoyed it. Um
1: maybe because I just love everything that Tom Hardy's in. Oh mate, yeah, absolutely. this is Tom Hardy. Um we were talking about Nicolas Cage last week, weren't we? And mm. this is Tom Hardy sort of dialing it up to eleven. He's doing he's playing himself and he's the voice of Venom as well. And he loves loves doing all of that, that sort of stuff. Um and he he's essentially acting opposite himself, even though himself is going to be animated later. It's a, a big sort of a, acting challenge, but he, he loves it. He chose to do the part because his kids really loved the character and he just decided that um, he, he did it for them and then um, really appreciated the challenge. So I watched Venom, the the sequel, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which came out in 2021, uh, directed by Andy Circus, and I'm not sure if I can tell too much of the story, because if you haven't watched the first Venom, that just contains spoilers for it. But and, I will and we've say we've only that got they about 30 fun. seconds. I'll oh, just let so you know, we've only got about 30 oh, seconds before the hours no, I'll just out, wind but, um, up then uh, and say uh, they are fun and they are free. They're fun and they're free. The
0: two Fs, the, the, <laughs> the essential S. We were going to embark on a bit more superhero film discourse, Dan and I, but um, uh, another time I'm sure that we'll have another chance in the future. I'm sure. Dan Sleven, thank you very much, as always. My pleasure. It's great fun sharing films with Dan.